ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard, and uh, I'm very honored to have alongside me this week uh, Parker Fleming, a college football analyst and economist, uh, going to 538.com. Parker, how you doing? I'm I'm doing great. You know, uh, that, that might be the hallmark of my college football career. I sent that um, article to my dad. So, so one, I'll say... Uh, Richard Johnson, our, our, our friend, uh, he was, you know, he was on our podcast earlier this year. He's a, a great college football follow, uh, on, on Twitter, Richard and I chat a bunch and he was like, Hey, I'm writing this article for 538. I'm pitching it. Can I, can I get some quotes? And so I talked about, you know, betting and everything and just, Hey, it's, it's weird to, um, bet in a short season and, and really interesting. So I sent it to my dad. I was like, dad, look, I'm in 538. And he said, he said, I raised you better than to get involved in betting. So <laughs> was, that was kind of his response there, uh, uh, paraphrasing a little bit. So I was like, thanks, Dad. I appreciate that. You really took the message away from this. I said it to my mom. I was like, hey, look, my podcast co-host is quoted in this. And she goes, well, great article, but I don't see your quote. And I was like, I don't think you understood what I just told you. And she goes, oh, well, good for him. Gosh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that was kind of that was kind of cool. I I, I was uh, we, we did an official interview. I felt very... Uh, he was like asking, he had a list of questions and was recording me and everything. So it was kind of, uh, it was kind of fun. Yeah. That's what journalism is, man. Welcome to the, uh, welcome to the dark side. Evid- evidently, evidently. evidently. Um, yeah. So, so big week, I hiked 30, uh, 30 miles in big bend and I didn't get eaten by a mountain lion and I was in 538. So I'm, uh, I'm going to retire. The podcast is over. I'm walking, uh, mm-hmm. right off of the sunset. Yeah. It's a good way to go out. Um, we will miss you. Uh, but the, the, you know, people, I didn't know this is possible. The six star reviews for my solo episode um, probably kind of gave you the confidence to carry this on going forward. So you will be missed, but uh, it's just me from now on. So no, no lies, uh, no, no lie. Uh, the uh, Statso wife and I listened to the podcast uh, driving back from, from Big Bend this weekend. And uh, we, we laughed aloud multiple times organically. Uh, very, very Good. great. So thank you for That's doing that in, in my absence. Of course, of course. Uh, but but now you're here, Parker, and now we got to talk football. We because I missed you, buddy. And there's a lot to talk about. Okay, no, no, don't uh, call me, buddy. Don't come in here with that wee crap, <laughs> because you and all the other jerks on Twitter, you know, I come in and open my open my Twitter for the first time in four days on Monday morning and have you know eight eight hundred notifications and everybody's like, oh, wild frog, yada yada, whatever. They ran the wild frog and all this nonsense, and all of you buried the lead that TCU ran. Uh, RPO insert tight end pop pass in the red zone. Everything I want. All I've been saying is just pick random plays off of Dan Casey's Twitter and run them in the red zone. And that will be better than your offense. And TCU literally picked the random play off of Dan Casey's Twitter and ran it in the red zone. It didn't work. It failed miserably, but they tried darn it. And so I'm mad at everyone, you and everyone for making fun of the wild frog and, and totally burying the lead there. Somehow that play, I think, lost more yards than the wild frog did. Oh my gosh, it actually, no, it actually did, mostly because I, I took a still on Twitter of, look how open the receiver should have been, uh, but he was not open because TCU's uh, tackle, who will remain nameless, was turned around watching his man just clobber Max Duggan, <laughs> which is a fitting image for 2020, both on kind of like an allegorical level and just like summarizing TCU's season. And also, yeah. Yeah, say la vie. Um, Parker, before we get into TCU, uh, actually, you know what? Let's start with TCU. Let's talk about signing day a little bit. Um, I'll say this now, and I'll kind of say my piece, and then I know you have some opinions on it. When I was an actual journalist, my least favorite thing in the world was covering recruiting. Um, it's a seedy, kind of sleazy industry. I'm not saying that the people that you follow that are really, really um, plugged in and accurate with recruiting are sleazy people. I'm saying the industry itself is kind of corrosive and I think it's, it's, it's very weird. Um, but, but I did it and I always hated writing those articles. I did, I was not following TC recruiting as heavily as I have over the last five, six years. Um, but it seems to me, Parker, that uh, the frogs may have laid an egg and that's no offense to any recruits. Um, I, I'm excited for several of them. Uh, I, th- I think Alex Honig is going to be very interesting. And uh uh, noted listener of the purple theory podcast. And I, I'm just curious as to how you kind of rate what TCU ever TCU's efforts were uh, this off season. Yes. Okay. So let me preface this again by saying exactly what you're saying. It's it, the recruiting is a weird thing. TCU 
maybe out of every college program that there is, TCU is particularly concerned with milking every last competitive advantage uh, out of like information and scarcity of information. What happens then is that TCU's doings, their comings and going and recruiting. So you, you I know more about what Lincoln Riley was doing in, in, in recruiting than I do TCU simply because yep. TCU doesn't want people talking about it and they leak that through a very narrow channel. And um, yeah, so, so, so it is kind of weird because like, hey, it was, you know, it was, um, it was bad. It was, it was very bad. It's a bad class. Um, you can try and contextualize that bad class and I, I'll disagree with you, but I mean, TCU took their worst average rating since 2016. I think I looked it up. They took fewer than 20 recruits for the first time since 2012. Um, and, and, and they really did not bring in uh, a lot of volume. So there, there are some pieces that are interesting. Again, Amante Watkins, I think, could be a really interesting, you know, four-star. They wasn't sure they were going to get sure. him. That was kind of a surprise. But, like, also, he's a running back. And TCU has two freshman awesome running back. So it's like, that's not, I, I don't feel like they really addressed issues so much Need, as they padded especially. a little bit of depth. Yeah, I agree. Um, can we play a quick game? Sure. Okay. I'm going to give you a team and you tell me if they had a higher or lower recruiting class ranking uh, per 24 seven sports. You ready? Okay. Okay. Duke. Okay, wait, wait. So I got to talk to this because like TCU started the day 90th and then because they just lied. About I'll tell you where they are. The, four guys. They're at 56, something like that. 57. 57. 57. Uh, but, it, but it's a small class. Um, that's, that's a joke. We're going to come back to that. Uh, okay, so they're 57th. Duke. I'm going to say Duke was lower, but it was close. Duke was higher. No. Syracuse. If Syracuse is higher, I can't believe that. No, I can't believe that. No, lower. Higher. Memphis. Memphis could be higher. I could believe that. Higher. Vanderbilt. Don't do this to me. Higher. No. <laughs> what? Where's Vanderbilt? Parker. Vanderbilt's 49th. Parker. Does Vanderbilt have more than one blue chip? Vanderbilt has 22 commits. I don't know how that's possible. Parker, Kansas. Right, but, oh, Higher no. okay. by two spots. What if it's by all Jucos or something? No, freaking. I don't care. Okay, is, fine. That is so fine, bad. Parker. Rutgers. Hey, look, man. Greg Shiano. Higher by 18 spots. Baylor. Dude, Higher and, and by Baylor 17 a, spots. Baylor got a blue chip O-lineman. Baylor, Baylor got a, a, sure a, a did, very high four-star and a, a quarterback. Oh, my gosh. Sure not He wasn't a five-star, but he was real close to a five-star quarterback, too. Parker, SMU. Okay, I'm gonna, I know SMU is higher, but I'm going to – By nine spots. Go they ahead. lost, they lost Savion spots. Bird to Oklahoma, which is crazy that a blue-chip offensive tackle literally came down to the last minute SMU in Oklahoma – um, but also they had that uh, Preston Stone as a four-star quarterback who wanted to stay in Highland Park. And so that really bumped them up. That's great. In the Big 12 per 24-7 sports, TCU is ninth. Can you name the only school lower than them? It's got to be Texas Tech. They're a mess right now. It is Texas Tech. Texas yeah. Tech somehow only has 11 commitments. Um, Parker, this is bad, brother. Yeah. So, 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 okay. All right. All right. So, so we can do a couple things. Um, one, I think we can talk about the fact that if your goal is to have two really, really good TCU seasons and then right off into the sunset, whoever you is the Royal you there, this doesn't matter. This is fine. If your goal is to continue to build a program that could compete nationally more often than once every six years, uh, this isn't great. Uh, Nick, Nick Saban doesn't take a year off recruiting. Um, that, that, that doesn't happen. Jimbo Fisher is in aggressively invading DFW. And if you sit back and let him, he will take all the talent out of DFW. Um, and so this to me is very worrisome long-term 
even if TC's recruiting is fine next year, I've seen they're, they're giving out some 2022 offers already to some really cool guys. But um, this looks like potentially they're going to be reliant on transfers in the second signing day. And that's going to be kind of this like mortgage to the future for the present situation. Well, that is how yeah. you get your roster colossally uh, doinked. I almost cursed, but I didn't feel like it. Uh, that is how you, that is how you mess up your roster. So, so I, I agree with you. I, I, um, I will say that this, I'm going to say a sentence and let it breathe and then move on because I don't know if I want to say the sentence. This might be Justin Fuente's problem. Anyway, what I, I will so say much. is that <laughs> what I will say is that this won't affect the next two years, right? TCU is a solid base of, of young players that will um, kind of carry the team to the next two or three years, maybe. But in 2025, Parker, uh, we may be relying on a lot of freshmen and sophomores, or 2024 or whatever. Um, it's it just doesn't seem like you said as a recipe for success. But again. That's a problem for a man who just got extended for one more year at Virginia Tech. Uh, yeah, which I, is code I, for they reduced his buyout again. They sure did. I am curious uh, as to what the strategy is behind taking only 13 commits. Uh, Texas Tech, the only program lower in the Big 12, took 11. Look, when I was covering TCU for, for money um, – TCU was in the low 20s, high 30s, right? And that's fine. For a small private school in Fort Worth, that's what you'd expect. They steal the really, really good two, three stars, poach off a couple fours, and we're all good. It's very, very strange to me, the strategy. I don't know if it was a strategy or if it, if it was recruits outright rejecting the Frogs. This is – I, I always feel bad saying this because we're talking about high school seniors. I hope everyone that has signed turns out to be a stud, and I – and pulling for all of them. Um, Recruiting is absolutely I, an area I would love to be wrong a lot. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And we are, uh, I'll say this personally for me, I'm going by 24 seven sports ratings and the kind of the general temperature here, but um, it, it's, it's not a good look is what I would say. No, but, and, and there's, there's bright spots, right? Like, like, uh, like, like Alex from, from Germany yes. could, could, yeah. could potentially be like a four star in America. Like the translation is just crazy there. Yes, um, Absolutely. And so, and so there, there's nuance, I, but, but overall, like looking at a class, this is um, deficient. It is, it is a deficient class. And, and that's not great when you think about program building and maintenance. And that's really what I'm worried about here is like, if you're gearing up for one last ride, fine, you're right. We can explain this away. It doesn't really matter. That's not good for TCU long-term. No, you again being the uh, casual listener to this podcast, the rural you, the rural you. Um, Yeah, I don't like recruiting. It's scummy. I I don't either. And I don't like the whole like paying for information. Like recruiting is so like back channel. Who do you know? Who, you know, who's at the camps and who talked to this guy and which recruits texting this person and, you know, coaches tell people this and that and like that's not a tcu specific problem although tcu clamps it down a little bit but just like the whole like shadiness around what 18 year olds are going to do for the next four of your lives four years of their life it's just yeah it's always just kind of weird to me um i do i do think also that the the informational aspect has really really inhibited analysis i don't think there's been a lot of like deep thinking and, and research about like roster construction I, I i'm doing some preliminary research and i'll have a pretty big offseason project about like blue chip offensive linemen and kind of how that has mm. you know determined uh and looking like where they come from that but like i i do think that recruiting is really really stuck on who knows what not like what does it mean generally if that makes sense i agree with you and, and tcu's recruiting strategy has been very I'll say interesting for the last few years, just because as we kind of discussed earlier, I don't think they've addressed needs. Um, you think about the blue chip offensive linemen TCU have signed. They've been few and far between. I'm excited about Garrett Hayes. I hope he sees the field uh, as a guard four star from last year. But besides that, it, it, TCU seems to kind of trust itself to develop offensive linemen. And um, well, this may be a topic for an off-season podcast or article, but I don't think TCU has the personnel in place to develop offensive linemen would be the nice way I would say that. I, dude, 
there's some state media bullshit going on. Gosh, uh, the, we don't so need to anyway, talk about this so, right now. So, right, I, we don't. But anyway, what I'm saying is, I, I think if you look at the, the teams that are really, really good at recruiting and really, really good at football, they um, prioritize certain areas in recruiting that TCU does not prioritize. Anyway, I, I don't want to talk about recruiting anymore. Are you good to move on? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Life is suffering. Okay. It's fine. Okay. But, yes, say la vie. Okay, well, before we talk any more TCU, um, let's talk about the Big 12 title game real quick. Uh, Oklahoma versus Iowa State. Uh, those two teams currently adorn the end zones in AT&T Stadium in Arlington, where the <laughs> where the Texas high school football title games are being played, which is very funny. Shiner actually just won the title uh, in 2A. Uh, Makers of my favorite beer in the world, and uh, their high school team just won. Um, uh, is, is Shiner the team that has that huge kid who's just like, wrecking other high schoolers doug brooks yes dude all, all doug where's doug is uh, doug going to play college somewhere doug is a sophomore parker oh my god oh he's not no, doug, is, doug is 44 <laughs> he is a sophomore he's going i hope gary patterson uh likes shiner bach um anyway oklahoma iowa state i think the assumption is that oklahoma is going to win this game Am I wrong? I'm not sold on that. Iowa State's playing very hot right now. Um, you, you, you have been downplaying Iowa State the entire year. I've told no. you Iowa State's a good football team. Okay, 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 okay. So you got to think about like a one-shot game versus like long predictive trends. Iowa State's really hot right now. I'm, I'm absolutely – Oklahoma is the only good team in the Big 12. Uh, Iowa State has been on the right side of plenty of lumps – um, Iowa State over and over has avoided disaster and snatched victory from the jaws of defeat uh, in circumstances outside their own. Uh, I, I think Matt Campbell's a really good coach. I think he's totally capable of kind of cultivating the chip on the shoulder and, and that kind of thing. I, I do not think that they will win, but I do think it's going to be close. So there you said like three different things that remind me of things we need to talk about during this podcast. Um, first and foremost, you know, Iowa state had the defensive and offensive MVP in the big 12 this year. Gosh, when, when will they learn when, when will whoever, did you get a vote this year? I don't, I don't think I voted in did did the I media get... vote at the end. I voted for the preseason, but I did not. I don't think I was offered to vote for the postseason. I, I think because I moved uh, in, uh, <laughs> in September, my letter didn't get to me. Um, I assume they'll correct that next year. Um, I got credentialed for big 12 media days all on my own this year. So did I. And they did not ask me to vote for the end of the season poll. So I'm going to take that up with somebody. Uh Uh-huh. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I, I think Oklahoma is going to win. Um, Uh, mostly because of their pass rush, which is just absurd to me to, to think of Oklahoma has the three best pass rushers in the conference and three of the best pass rushers in the nation. I don't know if that's true because Mike Rose was the uh, defensive player of the year. I, and Jaquan Bailey and Will McDonald were also on first team all defense. They're both very good. Um, Oklahoma's Ronnie Perkins, I, I should, I, Isaiah Thomas. And I should also point Nick- out all three of them were uh, all three of the guys you're mentioning were on second team and they're all from Oklahoma. But Nick Nick Benito is not on the second team. Nick Benito no, is the best pass rusher in the Big is. Twelve this year, and he is not even on the second team. Well, that's your opinion. He is he? No, yeah, he didn't even get. Oh, he got honorable mention. At least there's that. Oh yeah, I didn't I didn't see the honorable mention. But along with hold on, wait a minute. Yeah, these are crazy. No, they're a disaster. One because like we're gonna Joseph, hold where's, on. Where's Joseph Osai? Where is he? Can we do this aside real quick? Yeah. Okay, let, let's vibe into this a minute. Asai was a honorable mention for defensive play of the year and defensive lineman of the year. And he is somehow neither he, – he was first team. First team all defense. Yeah, no, I, I, I think he should have been defensive player of the year. I kind of do. I just don't understand what they're doing. Good. And they gave the they gave OPY to to a running back for the second year in a row, which is like hilarious to me. After all the grief last year about me saying, like, hey, Chiba Hubbard I, hold on. is hold, fine. Whoa. 
whoa, we're, we're burying the fuck. Uh, oh, crap. I can't say the F word. Okay, hold on. I'm sorry to cut you off. Hold on, hold on. We're, we're, we're burying the lead here. Parker, without looking, who is second team quarterback? Well, now I'm stuck because I know it's not Rattler, even though it should be. So Purdy was first team. Was it Ellinger? Oh, it was, brother. Look, that's none okay. of that. that. That's so bad. No, no. That's here we go. So bad. It is. Oh my god. It is. It is wrong. It is wrong. But it's consistent. If you think about like Sam Ellinger deserves second team all conference as quarterback in the same way that Garrett Wallow deserves to be mentioned as linebacker. It is a lifetime achievement. Garrett Wallow was first team. It it is not this season alone. It's dumb. If it was this season alone, that is not how they're giving it out. I I don't care. Take Garrett Wallow off. I love Garrett Wallow. I a huge fan of him as a person, as a player. I will, I will mention him later. Parker in no world. Is Sam Ellinger better than Spencer Rattler? Uh, no, and 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 honestly, uh, Brock Purdy has played pretty decently recently, but he's he's not better than Spencer Rattler. No, and, no. Uh, frankly, it's not close. Um, I, Parker, I'm I'm losing my mind. I, I don't get yeah. it, man. So so these things are the awards are dumb, and we knew that. We knew the awards were dumb. Um, I did not expect to be so viscerally perturbed by the rankings, but for whatever reason, those, those awards today just really annoyed me. Max Duggan didn't even get a vote. You know, I I will say this, and this is my time to to gloat here. Uh, Second team, all big 12, your, your punter and mine, Mr. Jordy Sandy. Yeah. I mean, look, you got (laughs) to, I mean, you get used that much, man. You deserve it. Yeah, man, he pinned so many people back. Uh, but uh, he pinned so many punts in the 20-yard line uh, because he was punting from the 50. But uh, God bless him anyway. I'm so happy for him. Uh, TCU had no selections, first team or second team on offense. Merrick, Wallow, Travis Hodges, Tomlinson. Uh, were first team, O'Shawn Mathis and Jordy Sandy were second team, for the record. I was talking today to an uh, NFL draft analyst about Merrig and Washington today, and mm. he was raving about THT um, and just saying that he had to keep going back and rewatching because he would stop and say, oh my gosh, number one is so good. Who is that? Um, and, and then ended up rewatching his his tape as well. Um, Trevius Hodges Tomlinson is is. Uh, yes uh, incredible yeah he is incredible i'm surprised at his first team i, th- I think there are um some guys that I, I would have expected to be ahead of him uh probably honestly both people or both max from oklahoma state colby harvey peel and uh Rodarius williams but i'll take it um as always the rankings are good when they recognize players that i like and they are bad when they recognize players that i don't like the 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 truism holds that when things go well for my team it's deserved and when they go well for your team it's because you were lucky and someone else was bad correct um i'm looking also at the first team offense outside of brock purdy i don't necessarily disagree with any of them well i think it was like, good yeah it's 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 hard to like calm i mean okay no on second thought i would take marvin mims over xavier hutchinson Oklahoma over Iowa state. Right. But that's kind of how this works though, is like the best, the, the, the regular season champion is always going to get kind of, they're going to get propped up there. Um, Xavier Hutchinson, I think is like kind of a case of relative expectations. Iowa state really looked thin at wide receiver and he has stepped up and been more than competent. Um, I do love to see uh, Eric uh, Izukama on here Mm -hmm. from Texas tech. He's somebody that I talked up this off season who was a freak. Um, and so, so I think that was a really smart pick. I think Letty Brown from West Virginia, it would have been really easy to put Chuba Hubbard there and kind of like give him the legacy vote. And and Letty Brown, I think, is is a fine running back and, and deserving of recognition uh, insofar as they are. I think it's hilarious that they have a fullback position because that's like 
100% going to the Oklahoma wide receiver every year. Like that's that that is that that's the only person that could potentially do it. I actually think that um we, maybe we'll come back to this later, but like I kind of was 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 plugging Carter Ware for the the Burlesworth <laughs> just because yeah, he's yeah. filled in so many roles, right? And so like that doesn't translate on the stat sheet, but like TCU's had roster issues and Carter Ware has come in and put his hand to the ground, played tight end, he's split out, he's played his blocking normal position, he's run wheel racks out of the backfield, like just completely stepped up. And so it's like, of course, if you're going to look only at the stat sheet, then Oklahoma who uses that kind of fullback position more actively than anybody else is going to always win that. But like, I think there's arguments that you you could potentially find somebody else there. I agree. I just want to point out, I, I'm still very mad about this. Spencer Rattler had was honorable mention for offensive player of the year and freshman of the year and did not make second team. I, I mean, I, Sam yes. Ellinger, this will surprise you, did not get a vote for Offensive Player of the Year because he was not good. No, no. And and really that comes down to how how um, backwards people are in evaluating quarterbacks because they entirely tie it down to two things. Wins, team wins, which is stupid because a quarterback is not the only thing that matters in wins, although they do matter a lot. But it, it's very plausible for a quarterback to play well and a team to um, win. Or lose. I'm a Texans fan. Uh, I know that Deshaun Watson is the prime example. Um, but it's also tied to like one or two moments. And so you're like, oh, Spencer Rattler threw the interception in this high leverage moment. And that means we're going to ding him for the rest of the year. And I've said this before and I could say it again. I'm tired of repeating myself, but like, okay, fine. He threw one bad pass. What happened to his other 315 attempts? Like that's just, it's just also, willfully ignorant. It's so dumb. Also, Ellinger threw a pick to end the Red River rivalry. So I don't, anyway, I got a hot and bothered. I did not Why did we bring these awards up? I hate them. I love I them because I get to be very angry about them. I didn't uh, get to vote in them and they're stupid. <laughs> that is our take for every award. Um, Parker, can I ask you real quick and then we'll go on to the rest of what we have for the schedule. Um, give me two sentences. Who's your Heisman vote if you have one? Devonta Smith. Okay, that's mine too. Good. Maybe on the same page. I think I think probably Mac Jones will win it, but you could make an argument that Smith is. I mean, he's incredible. Uh, it would it would be hard to not at least include him. Devontae Smith is possibly the best college wide receiver I've ever seen. Which is it's crazy like because and- Jalen Waddle is also one of the best college receivers we've ever <laughs> seen. Right, I know. I know. Devonta Smith is like, oh, by the way, hello. <laughs> Can I also interest you in beating the hell out of you? Um, well, you know what, Parker? The awards are done. So we have our own awards. With Blackjack and no, I'm just kidding. It's fine. Yeah, yeah it's, we won't finish the rest of that quote. This is a family podcast. Um, welcome to the first annual Purple Theory. What are we going to call these? We should have thought this before the podcast. Welcome to the annual that's purple a level theory. of preparation I'm not committing to. <laughs> yeah, the Purple Theory Awards. Um, we have categories for tonight. The PTAs, if you will. The PTAs, yes. Um, not the ones that run the bake sale. That's the PTO. Um, let's start. I have the categories. You have the categories as well. Um, let's run through these. Okay, first and foremost, MVP for TCU. I think we both had the same answer. Uh, overall, both sides. Yeah, it has to be Max Duggan. Okay, yeah, yeah, we're on the same page. Fine. Um, so, so yes, Ma- l- let's put that in a box because I think I have a different offensive MVP. Okay, I did too. I did yeah. too. Okay. I, I, I picked the offensive MVP, non-Duggan edition. We we've said so many nice things about Max, so I'm going to give myself a sentence and give you a sentence. Max Duggan Great. had a heart condition that potentially threatened his life, and is back on the field and has, has shown at every opportunity, his uh, not just uh, ability, but desire to be the heart and soul of TC's football team. He is the most valuable player to this team uh, bar none. And, uh, and I think that's just far and away inarguable. He is the anchor of this team. And, and, and if they can design an offense for him, they, they'll, they'll be able to go far. The hell of a sentence. Um, semicolons. <laughs> Max Duggan is the engine that makes TCU run, and he is the quarterback of the future. Um, and the present. And the present. Best play or favorite play. I don't care. 
Gosh, uh, the, the, the memes are, are strong here. Um, Grant, I wrote about this and, and, uh, and, and I really like it, even though TC didn't run it a lot. I really think the glance post RPO to Quentin Johnston is, is probably TCU's best kind of concept. Um, I'm saying that out loud and realizing you probably wanted a specific moment there, but I didn't come up with one. Um, so I, I think that's really my favorite kind of what is TCU at its best TCU at its best is giving Duggan a chance to make a simple read and either threaten with his legs, um, or find a downfield threat. Uh, I will say a strong contender for, for a moment for me, um, is, is absolutely, uh, you know, finding Quentin Johnston deep, uh, and it, and it's silly because it was like Matt Downing against Iowa state, but him finding Quentin Johnston over the middle in the very first game. And you thought, mm. okay this kid on the outside is a, is a player. Yeah. Uh, and so yep. that for me, I think I'll look back fondly, you know, knowing, knowing or expecting what Quentin Johnston will become. That'll, that'll kind of be the moment for me. What was yeah, your, what sure. was your play? Gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't do that correctly. I no, know. no, 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 you're good. Um, this is also something that I think might come up later. Well, it kind of will come up later. Dude, it's dug it against Texas. For the Ooh, second the, the year in a row, stick draw RPO. Yes, for the yeah. second year in a row, Duggan finds a way to beat the Longhorns with his legs. First time was in Fort Worth. The second time was in Austin, beating at the time the number nine team in the country by uh, just shredding the Texas defense with his legs. The screenshot of um, oh, what's Buddy's name? Uh, the Texas defender of him just looking completely confused as Duggan speeds by him, uh, DeBarbi and Overshow as he speeds by him to the end zone is my favorite image of the season. And maybe my favorite image from TC football for the, like the last four years. Yeah. That, that, that was really, really fun. Um, and, and that just, <sighs> there's been so many weight reasons to get frustrated about TCU this year. And yeah. the Texas game was legitimately one of those, like, Hey, the pressure's off my shoulders. Like, this is fun. This is watching football and, and enjoying it. And so I, I totally agree there. Yeah. Uh, let's go. Uh, offensive MVP, non-Duggan edition. Well, I think we have the same answer here, too. Oh, Kendra, QJ. Kendra Miller? <laughs> oh. <laughs> that is I not my you. answer. Uh, <laughs> I have Quentin Johnson. Okay. For non-Duggan edition. T- tell me about that, and then I'm going to go contrarian, because I kind of had a thought. So. Okay, no, no, that's fine. I think QJ gave the offense a dimension that um, it sorely needed. I think he was the type of guy that could win one-on-one battles, and I think he was probably TC's lone deep threat. Uh, I think Duggan established a rapport with him, um, and I uh, think he, he probably showed the most promise while also delivering the most results, and the combination of that is, is pretty sick. So I gave him the offensive MVP. I, um, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that's my answer. The other ones that I did have, um, kind of filed away for, 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 you could make a case here. I, I already made the case for Carter Ware there, and that is just entirely in a plugging holes and, and stepping up for every role that you've been asked to do. Um, I, I think that Kendra Miller seriously, uh, did, did a whole lot, he did. um, and so I think you could absolutely do that. The other one that I would step uh, step up and kind of say is like Blake Hickey is not Whoa. good, but Blake Hickey stepped up and 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 performed admirably in in some rough spots. Um, and so again, if you're thinking about like, hey, this wasn't a good year. Obviously, the quarterback's the MVP. Your your star players, your Pro Wells, your Tay Barber, your Quentin Johnstons, really really had limited usage all season. And so there's nobody that jumps out on you on the stat sheet. You could think about some of these kind of like heart and grit guys that could potentially be, you know, a little bit more valuable, but I, I, I think you're, you're right. I love heart and grit guys. And I'm very glad you delved into that. Um, and I think I will probably take that position during the defensive MVP discussion, because who's your defensive MVP? My defensive MVP is absolutely Trevious Hodges Tomlinson. Um, unequivocally, just what we expected out of him uh, was was not a was not this. I mean, we no. expected him to be fine, uh, but you, you you couple the fact that we, we expected him to take a step forward. We didn't expect him to kind of blow everything up, uh, and then and then the other cornerback position just didn't exist. Um, Tomlinson was targeted forty nine times. Grant he broke up fourteen of those passes. 
That's like yeah, that's one in three. That's um, nuts. One of every three passes that came his way, he got his hands on um, and disrupted. That's just incredible. Um, the longest pass he he gave up all season was only 44 yards um, and only allowed 32.7 reception percentage. I, I just don't know what else you could say about him. Um, we thought Noah Daniels was going to come and be kind of locked down Island and, and Trevius Hodges Tomlinson, as so often happens with TCU's defensive system where, you know, guys are, are coached up well. And if they've been in the system for a little bit, they can fill holes when they need to. Uh, he kind of came out of nowhere and is uh, excellent. Yes, he is. And um, I, I should also say that Noah Daniels might be this guy next year we don't know because he was hurt um with with the gratuitous shout out to trevon merrick who um probably was the best player on the defense this year and it's probably underrated because our expectations for him are so high and he met them that you're kind of like oh, yeah, yeah that's he, just like, what he, he met yeah. them but like yeah that's just what he does um i don't care man garrett wallace playing mvp like we gonna talk about great guys you want to talk about whatever he's the leader of that defense um by all accounts, a great human being, a, a straight-up leader, like not just of the defense, of the team. And his stats weren't what we expected them to be, but that's because his junior year, he was literally the only player on the field in the front seven that could make a tackle. So while his metrics weren't as good as they were in 2019, he still managed to lead TCU at tackle several times this year. Um, the defense does not work without Garrett Wallow anchoring that linebacker position. He's the prototypical Gary Patterson linebacker. Um, and I, he's my most valuable player on the defense. TCU does not work without him. And there are probably better players, Trey Merrick, uh, Travis Hodges Thompson, but he's the most valuable player in in my book. Uh, I I totally agree with that. And and you're right about last year. Last year, I was thinking about this, uh, and I thought, wait, who started, who, who played alongside Garrett Wallow last year? And I had there a lot of answers. Up. I was like, is my, like, am I, am I just dumb? Did I drink too much beer? Like, what am I forgetting? And literally like nine guys played, played yeah. linebacker yeah. last year. Yeah, they sure um, did. So yeah, yeah. I think, and, and, and I think that like TCU's defense is so interesting because you can talk about guys like our Darius Washington's really good and had a bad year. And that's, like, yeah, that happens. He's still really, really good. Yes. Um, and, and you look at guys like, you know, Nook Bradford and Josh Foster, who played a lot in, in some tight situations. Um, and, and, and there's a, there's a ton of talent there. And so I, I really don't think you can go wrong picking somebody in the back seven. I think D winters was um, quietly excellent this year. And so, um, you know, even, even as he just like everyone else did missed a couple tackles here there, he, he wasn't playing that main kind of run stopping threat. He was really playing that second coverage linebacker. He has a 75.3 coverage grade. Um, and, and so I, I think there, there's just a lot of like quiet excellence on uh, and potentially underappreciated uh, excellence on TC's defense this year. I agree. Winters also was uh, excellent early on in the season and spirals against uh, mobile quarterbacks. Um, next year, watch this space. Kari Coleman might be the defensive MVP next year. Um, he is very good. He's extremely good, and he's only going to get better. As is O'Shawn Mathis. I still ride for O'Shawn Mathis. Um, well, and and okay. now that there's someone with a pulse, I don't know. We can go back to the awards. Sorry. Yeah, like, no, no, no. O'Shawn no, Mathis okay. got screwed last year because Shamik Blackshear was a wet blanket, and defenses yes. are like, oh, we don't have to worry about that guy. Let's just murder Mathis. Yeah. And so that's a hard position for anyone, especially a freshman. And this year, he's really, really, really benefited from having somebody alongside him who can pose a credible threat. Yes, absolutely. I, I am I am high on the TCU defensive ends uh, going into next season. Defensive tackle, the world is a mystery. Um, I don't even Parker, know who it's going to be to have an opinion. Yeah, so. I, I hope it's Patrick Jenkins. Um, most head-scratching play call. Oh, my gosh. How much time do I have? You have a lot. Carter Ware's wheel route though I love him so, goes up there. For me, I'll answer so you can have time. No, that made sense. You're wrong. That was beautiful <laughs> and right and good. It's This might be recency bias. That Chase Curtis wild frog, man. There, There's no excuse in the world for that play to have been run. So that's my pick. There's no excuse. At least the Carter Ware touchdown was like, hey, everyone is out because of contract tracing. We have to throw the ball somewhere. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah, that yeah, for sure. Made sense. Although I will say, has a tight end ever run a wheel route for TCU? No, no, no they have no, not. 
no. Uh, no, they haven't. Yeah, I think that wild frog was. Um, I don't even. I don't even know. I don't know what to say. Did about you it. watch it? Okay, we haven't talked since then. What? You got tagged in it several times. Did you expect it to be? And you heard me talk about it on the podcast. Did you expect it to be as bad as it was? Okay, so it wasn't like Parker. It was. It was benign. It was. It was the stupid wild frog play. It wasn't egregious in terms of this is something that TCU, this is a stupid thing that TCU has done before, right? It was on par for TCU's rampant stupidity on offense. Um, What made it worse was that two linemen got embarrassed. Yeah. And then you have nobody. And I don't mean to insult Chase Curtis. He might be a good player. I don't know who the F he is. And I don't know what you're doing with that. That is the stupidest thing. Um, that is the most um, TCU in its current iteration prides itself on antagonism on I'm going to do something and then tell you that I have my reasons and I'm smart. And that's why like is very annoying. And that was, that was just peak annoying. Why the hell did you even practice this? I, I heard, um, I heard that they were kind of running it with Barlow. And so I don't know what, well, I don't know what happened. That, it, it was, it was dumb because the offensive line is terrible and you can't rely on them for much, but two, it was dumb because I don't understand why, why Chase Curtis is on the field. Well, and that's the thing is they just put players in positions to look dumb. I mean, think right. of all the, think of all the, I said this on Sunday and I don't mean to repeat myself, but think of all the guys that are good runners on the TCU team. Like they make fun of running backs, but Zach Evans is good. Kendrick Miller is good. Barlow, Foster, DeMarcado, your quarterback, who is a good runner. And instead, you remember the freshman wide receiver? Uh, who was, who had not seen he, the field? Well, he was, he think. played special teams, but like, does he okay, have a, well, does he have a scholarship? I don't think he has a scholarship. I don't know. Patterson said he has a potential to be a great player at TCU. And I hope that's the case. Because uh, he's six five, so we need height. I I have a theory about this Parker that I will tell you off air. Um, Parker, isn't that, you're, isn't that Chase Curtis? Uh, Gary Patterson knows Chase Curtis's dad money. Well, I wasn't going to go there, but Chase Curtis being from Pittsburgh, Kansas, uh, did oh, um, play. Oh my gosh, is that real? That's not real. Yeah, no, he's in Pittsburgh, Kansas. <laughs> That's the conspiracy theory. College football is really stupid. TCU football is 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 stands out among he, the stupid. I, I'm not making that up. That is amazing. It, it, anyway, I have a lot <laughs> a lot of things to say. <laughs> that uh, that one's hard to beat. To. The stakes were pretty low though, so like, uh, yeah, I, I, I you know, the stakes you could, were low. I mean, yeah. there were worse play calls like that. That probably cost TCU. Um, percentages of a chance to win a game because TC was going to beat Louisiana Tech. But so, as far as just sheer absurdity. Yeah, I think I think just just pretty crazy. So so I, I would say I have like tiers of, of worst play call, most head scratching play call. Um Oklahoma State, uh about midway through the the first quarter, TCU just kept trying to go deep outside and like clearly yeah. Max was not throwing those routes. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? Um but I think even more importantly the TCU had the ball with like two minutes left against Kansas state and they were down one score. I'm sorry to make us think about this game. Cause this was truly one of the most miserable TCU games I've seen a long we'll, time. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but, but, but TCU ran um, jet sweep QB power read uh, with two minutes left down one score. And their plan was we're going to pull the backside tackle. Uh, and we're going to read Wyatt Hubert, Wyatt Hubert, mm. who was uh, going to the NFL as a defensive lineman. And Hubert just like knew that's what they were doing. He's like, oh, when you do jet sweep, this is the play you do. You only run one play when you run jet sweep motion. This is that play. Hey, I'm going to grab your quarterback and throw him down. Just no urgency at all to move the ball. Just, just a, a truly bewildering moment where one, why are you running the ball? Uh, right. when you need to move it uh, like this and you have so, so little time Two, why are you, why are you keying in on, why are you saying, I hope that their best defensive player doesn't make a play that, cause that's really what that comes down to. Uh, and then, and then three TCU just never builds off concepts. And so they just, 
it is telegraphed it spectacularly. And so um, that one for me is probably the most frustrating and the most just like, what is going, what is going on here? Play. Yeah. Yeah. This wasn't a play call. I do want to give an honorable mention to um, that time that I think it was Jaquan Bailey um, sacked, uh, was it Dining or Duggan? I can't remember. It was in the Iowa State game by using the unique tactic of walking around TJ Storman. Mm. Um, that was a tough look. Uh, okay. Well, I have high point of the season or low point of the season because we like to go, uh, we like to end on a positive note here. Parker, give me your low point of the TCU season. Oh, absolutely. The loss to Kansas State. Um, that is, um, I, I think people want to say West Virginia. Um, and I will I, I later because that's I my think answer. You might be, you might say Max Duggan's overthrown uh, end zone touch should have been touchdown wide open against West Virginia. Uh, I think the loss against Kansas State was kind of the ceiling definer. If TCU had won that, we're really talking about, hey, TCU made a, a step forward. They kind of shook off some some ghosts from last year. They improved. Um, and, 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 and they, they really, really did a bad job. They let a freshman quarterback who is just not good at all, uh, kind of, kind of move the ball well, and then showed no adaptivity on offense that really felt emblematic of where TCU is, uh, not in the sense that, that that's how they played every game, but because they seemed to not be able to shake this kind of inexplicable by all accounts, you should win this game and you decide not to. Um, like almost a willful choice to get in the mud with Kansas state and you've lose that game and understand as a program, you would, you would like to be able to win that game uh, doing that, you know, like li- literally Gary Patterson and TCU would love to be able to say, Hey, we're going to play this sloppy defensive game and we're going to win. Um, they, they cannot back that up. Uh, the offensive line was a mess. Max Duggan was limping around because he was just getting bodied. That to me really, really felt bad. And, and TCU losing that game kind of makes you look at their season and say, okay, well, what they did differently from last year is they beat Baylor because Baylor is terrible this year and Baylor's best defender went out in the first quarter on a targeting call and TCU still tried to lose them. That's the only kind of improvement over last year. Uh, and, and so ultimately, I really, really think that um, that Kansas State game was just kind of what I'll look back on and say, uh, there were good things about 2020, but really that Kansas state loss is like a, a weight dragging that down to the bottom of the ocean for me. Also push back and say they beat Oklahoma state, which they did not do last year. Well, they should have, uh, but John Stevens jr. Dropped the ball on the ground, like a dummy. And so. Well, anyway, um, I, I will say my low point is the West Virginia game and Parker. That's because TCU scored six points against West Virginia. Yeah, but it, you knew they were bad going in. I don't know. I have this Zen-like resignation no, towards the end of the season. So no, 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 here's the thing. Like, it's like, yeah, that's near the end of the season, but this is the same team that did beat uh, like a ranked Oklahoma State team and scored points against them. And it said they scored six points against West Virginia and gave up 24. Like that game is the most miserable game since last year's West Virginia game. And that to me was a low point in the season. That That's the angriest I've been on this podcast in uh, – I think I wrote a really mean Oklahoma game recap, but that that's the angriest I was this season because the Iowa state game, it was like, okay, well, they should have started dug in, but they didn't know what, what they had with his heart condition, whatever. Kansas state was like, okay, this sucked big time, but it was a second game of the season. They didn't, and whatever West Virginia, there was no excuse, no excuse whatsoever for that loss. It was bad. It was very bad. Oh yeah. I'm not, not denying that. Absolutely. Um, remember when Kelsey Patterson tweeted hashtag 15 during the Iowa state game? Let's talk about the high point. Of that the might season. be my high point of the season. <laughs> uh, I already kind of talked about mine. Uh, screw it, man. I, beating Texas was fun as hell. So fun. The, uh, the TCU had just tweeted that, that <laughs> incredible close up, uh, uh, headshot of Max Duggan right before the game with the uh, the smolder, <laughs> long live <laughs> the, the smolder, smolder. <laughs> the smolder. Uh, our friend Hunter Cook uh, tweeted that with the, the red laser eyes. Um, it, it, it just just an incredible game. I mince of my ass is all I had to say about that. Yeah, just, that I mean, was, that's the high point of the season. It was so fun. It was so fun. That was very good, and 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 it was competitive back and forth, and and absolutely, I think that's a high point of the. Um, 
of the season. I'll, I'll go sentimental just to kind of give us another thing. Max Duggan coming on the field and throwing touchdowns against Iowa State, man. Just like yeah. Yeah, yeah. the uncertainty with all that. I, I I think, you know, if you step back from the football and just think about the humanity for a little bit, that's incredible. Um, and 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 we should all be um grateful for his health and and happy and celebrating mm-hmm. with him and also, you know, introspective about how short life is and how that that is a gift. And so that's a little cheese ball. And I, I, my, my no, moment right. is really Texas, but, but I really, I really think about that moment a lot. And um, him, him getting back on the field is just, um, you know, in a season full of a lot of nonsense and a year full, uh, a lot of nonsense. Um, there, there are important things that happened that we should be grateful for. And, and so I think that's definitely one of the high points. No, it was a damn miracle. Like seeing him trot back out onto the field against Iowa State was was uplifting as hell. And um, he had a better year this year than he did last year. And uh, Parker, you know, people are saying this. I don't know if you're saying this, but 2021 might be the year. Um, I've heard rumors. I've got to investigate. I've got to crunch the numbers. I've got to look at things. But I'm hearing that 2021 might be the year. Maybe I'm, I'm TCU hearing- will finally get back to the Alamo Bowl. With 90% of precincts reporting. Oh, no. Screw you. I've said a bad word on this podcast. Um, okay. Is there a thing that you're most surprised you got wrong about the season? No, I've never been wrong. Uh, yes, absolutely. We're morons. Um, I'm a moron because I, I kind of talked myself into the offensive line taking a step forward. Nope. Hmm. No. Not at all. Very wrong. No. Yeah, very uh, wrong. In fact, it took the opposite. I, I, I would go so far as to say the offense took a step back. They took a look at their life. They uh, hugged their children and kissed their wife. I'll go Big 12. Uh, I'll widen my scope a little bit. I thought Iowa State was going to lose like four or five games this year. And as it turns out, they um, are very good. Yeah. How is it that you were the Iowa State hater this offseason and all I've done this season is dealt with crap from – annoying Iowa State fans because you tweet about it that's true I tweeted after they lost to uh Louisiana like wow turns out the two teams that were the most overrated heading into the season had problems with uh because Kansas State lost to you had problems yeah. with G5 teams wow we could have seen that coming and then Iowa State um like ripped off nine w- or eight wins in conference so um good for them yeah, good for them. And I, I think my funniest uh, take about that was that Brock Purdy touched the Space Jam basketball and then somehow he's gotten his powers back. So I still don't think he's that good. Um, also, Matt Campbell should go to Auburn. I, I now that I have know. you on the podcast, he should go to Auburn. I, I understand why. And I think there's a world where it could happen. I wouldn't take that job. Of the, um, okay. So there's two, there's two things really, really working against him there. One, uh, he is he is Midwest tried and true. Um, sure. And so if there is a non-zero chance Michigan is open after next year, there is a non-zero chance Notre Dame is open after but next if, year. If Brian goes to the NFL? I have nothing else to say about that. Um, just keep keep your ear to the ground there. Uh, but, but, but I think that Campbell would rather stay another year and try and get a Midwest job than go to Auburn for, for two reasons. Um, one, uh, the, the politics is something that I don't believe someone non-Southern, is, well, you have to have two qualities, right? To be able to handle the politics of a place like Auburn successfully, you have to either one, be Southern and understand these kind of uh, subtleties that, that are, are just beyond below the surface. You've got to be able to, you know, feel a vibration of the earth and understand which tectonic plates are moving when. Or two, you have to be an asshole who wins, uh, a la Nick Saban, who's 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 a nice guy, but I'm just saying, like he he's like, nope, this is mine. No, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm no, I know this. what you mean. I yeah. don't think Campbell is either of those. I do not think he's a cultural fit for Auburn. Um, so so I I think that 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 kind of Midwestern uh, outsiderness is working against him there. And then two, I I have heard uh, from you know I don't have sources or anything, but like on, on many accounts. Campbell uh, really, really does not like the nastiness that comes with college football recruiting at an elite level, and he is not willing to learn about it. Okay, and I'm fine with you that. You can't be at Auburn, and you, no, you, you, you I can't. agree. I agree, but if you okay, let's take the two programs you mentioned, Michigan and Notre Dame. Right? Let, let's say whatever hypothetically that that's one of the jobs that he takes, as if they're not 
nasty recruiting as if, oh, you have to get really good grades to get into Notre Dame or whatever. They're a bunch of nerds. And as if Ohio State's not going to negative recruit you all the way down. Oh, I'm not worried about negative. I'm not worried about negative recruiting. I'm worried about facilitating uh, mom getting a new car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I was vague about that. I I didn't know. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, First off, I am pro get your mom a new car. Absolutely. Uh, I, I once interviewed Hartley Dykes. That's a fun fact. Uh, noted Bay City High School alumnus and noted uh, man who got a lot of programs in trouble, notably Texas A&M. Um, yeah, I'm pro get your mom in your car. But I, I just think that Auburn and Iowa State have, outside of uh, win percentage, have a lot in common. And I think they could be a good fit. I also think the that if Campbell... Other... I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off. I'm the worst No, no, it's okay. I, I just, all I want to say is that like, Campbell's got a kind of um, trying to make this expression less crass. Um, make a move or get off the pot. You know what I mean? He's got to kind of go. I don't think I don't think that's true, but I understand it. I think it is. I mean, I just I I I, I would also say uncertainty's gonna the uncertainty's gonna screw Iowa State next year if he stays. Maybe, but I also will say um, it would be weird if Iowa State hired or if Auburn hired an Iowa state coach again, I don't know anything about the politics of that. I just, uh, yeah. they hired leather That's jacket true. wearing Gene Chizik and that didn't go well. And they after. won a national title. Yeah, but eh, that wasn't well, really Cam him. didn't win a national title, uh, but yeah. So, so I don't, I don't know that, that just, I, I understand it. And I think there's a world where it works. I, I don't believe that's this, this world. Agree to disagree. Um, okay. Last, last category here, Parker. And this is something I'm sure you'll revel in. Is there a prediction you made this year that you're the most happy you got right? Oh my gosh. Uh, I don't think I saw this one because I haven't thought about this one at all. Do you have one while I can vamp and think about it? Well, I was thinking about this as I typed it and I don't think I made any good predictions this year, but I I, I guess, and I'm going to repeat myself from something I said earlier. My prediction that 2021 is the year still stands. I think, and as I said this on Sunday, but I think, the only thing TCU football did this year is reinforce the notion and the the truism that next year is the year and the groundwork is laid. It's at the feet of TCU now to, to fulfill it. But I, 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 nothing they did dissuaded me from believing that if anything, it reinforced the belief. Clearly this was not the year, but next year is the year. Could have been, um, we could have had it all. Uh, yeah, that, that's really... There's a song in there, right? Right, that was, that, was, that was Adele. Um, Rolling in the deep. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I... You were wrong a lot. No, I've never been wrong. Um, it, honestly, I, I wake up every morning and I look in the mirror and I think, man, your, your beard is great and your opinions are in, uh, just, just, just perfect. They're impeccable. What is God it? bless. How do you do this every day? <laughs> Um, God bless that's a wife. Uh, puts up with a lot. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't want to take a victory lap about being like, Hey, if you don't fix the offense, it's still going to like, you're going to lose games. You shouldn't. Um, I think that but, confidence in Max Duggan was very low this season. It was very low at the end of last season and people just let that foment and they kind of forgot the source of TCU's offensive woes. Um, and so that's, I'm not going to gloat about saying TCU is going to be bad. I'm going to gloat about saying Max Duggan is, is going to be one of the great TCU quarterbacks. And uh, he's had to start in situations that he shouldn't have. And he's looked bad at times, but he is improving. And he has shown that he is uh, kind of the heart and soul of the team, like I said earlier. So I, I think that's my prediction. Um, wait, I, I actually, in talking there, I realized something I did get wrong. Um, Jerry Kill was a net positive on TCU's season. Okay, I I was thinking about that too. Uh, actually, as it turns out, he helped because Sonny Cumbie is no longer TCU's offensive coordinator. No, and at the end of the year, like, yeah, it was mostly on the ground and was against worse teams than TCU played at the beginning of the year, but it worked. And so I'm like, hey, again, my entire call, you know, 2000, 2019 Texas Tech game where it's like, look, man, you got to figure this out. You can't just keep beating bad teams and pretend like you're going to get better. Um, That all stands. But I mean, Oklahoma State, Jerry Kill 
won the Oklahoma State game. Yes. Uh, which is just mind-blowing. And that's not like, hey, this is good, and I'm glad TCU did it, and this is the way of the future. It was just like, Jerry Kill's been around the block, and he was like, hey, Doug, <laughs> let's not do this, man. And let's, let's... Yeah, yeah, they adapted. So I was wrong about that because I thought that was going to be a dumpster fire. And it was a net positive on TCU uh, in the very, very short term. Can I ask you this? And I'm, I'm asking you this with the not, well, I think the knowledge that uh, you don't have any inside info and I don't have any inside info. You think Jerry sticks around for next year? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I kind of do too, even though that, that quote unquote offensive analyst role is normally a kind of a stopping point or you know, think, like, like a, like a, well, he wanted to thing. retire before he yeah. came here. So, so I think he's going to, I think he's going to write it out. Um, I do think that Sonny Cumbie's contract is up. Well, year? TCU being a private university, we're not able to FOIA that. Um, I don't even but, know what FOIA is. Um, you don't yeah, No, I do. I just, it's okay. Funny. I was yeah. about to say, golly, Parker. Jeez. So I, I think we've got the gang all together for one more year. I don't think there's going to be significant staff changes. I, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this off season. I don't need to go in that monologue right now, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Jerry kills here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fine. And again, I'm fine for most of the gang being here for one more year. There are members of the gang that I think we should ex- um, exclude from the gang, but that is an off season topic. We'll, um, we'll, we'll have the excommunication podcast later. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Pro Wells, come back for one more year. Please, God, come back. I know you have here. a kid, but we'll make it work. I'll babysit. Bring him to Bay City. I will watch the kid. Um, Parker, are there any other categories, any other topics, any other things you want to talk about before we sign off? No, we're, we're descending rapidly into madness. We've hit that, you know, magical hour mark and things just get crazy. So... Uh, I think we could probably sign off there. Could I, okay, well, I'll ask you this. I'll just give you one minute to, to kind of upon them. Um, you watched the Louisiana Tech tape. Is there anything that stuck out? Anything that um, you wanted to get on the record before we sign off? Dude, Milton Williams is a grown man. Yeah, that guy's good. Uh, yeah, that was He's an really NFL good. defensive lineman. Other yes. than that, uh, the two things that stuck out are that Louisiana Tech's very bad. Um, yes. and, uh, and, and Luke Anthony, man, dude, prayers up to that. That was awful. Yeah. Um, was I tough. wish I hadn't seen it. Um, yeah. and, and I kind of knew it was coming and, and just didn't, didn't fast forward in time. Like I just, mm, man, right. that just sucks. Um, and so I'm yes. glad, uh, I talked to, uh, you know, uh, latechreport.com. I've, I've been chatting with them last week, just kind of, you know, getting details here and there. And they, uh, they said surgery has happened. Um, he looks to be fine. They're optimistic. He could come back in the spring. So, so that's really, that's awesome. really good news. Yeah. That's awesome. What was the injury? Do you, you uh, might, clean, uh, clean break of the leg, lower okay. leg. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Which is like, that's, that's yeah. all things considered is better than it. Yeah. 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 So absolutely. Yeah. Good. Good. Glad to hear that. Um, awesome. Well, Parker, listen, it's been good to have you back. Um, talking to an empty wall is pretty tough. So, uh, I'm glad you had a, a good birthday weekend. Um, I'm glad you're uh, you're officially a source now for a reputable pub, uh, publication. Um, Look, man, I'm putting that on my CV, front and center, uh, quoted in five thirty eight. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, dude, I'm I'm so backlogged on newsletters. Like, I have like six things that are almost finished that I'm just gonna I'm just gonna crank yeah. them out and let the, the floodgates go. I've got Big Twelve power rankings that I'm I'm gonna get out uh, tomorrow because man, they're they're like lettuce. Uh, for hold on, let me ask you this: Is that for this next year or for this year? Or what? Do no, you this is this is wrapping up the season and and true okay. to. Uh, my ADHD self, what I've done is I've, I've basically written like 500 words on every team mm-hmm. um, and just said like, Hey, here's what they did. Here's what they're good at. Yada, yada. And so uh, I'm, I'm just, just wrapping that up and I'll send that out and say like, here's where things stand going to the bowl game. Uh, I've got a couple of film things I can, I can finish up. And, and so uh, just, just, just cranking stuff out. Um, I don't know that we're going to have like a rigid schedule for the off season, but content is still coming a couple times a week. Um, and so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about some space to explore some more fun, uh, deeper dives this this off season. Yeah, first off, the podcast will at least be one time a week going forward, and then we'll at least have one or two columns up during the week. I think yeah, we can uh, hold ourselves to I that. On on air executive decision, we're going one a week uh, until we know about TC's bowl. Yeah, so and like, also yeah, 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 the bowl game. Oh, that's one thing we didn't talk about bowl opponents. We'll talk about that 
next week. We'll get one in next week. We got plenty of time. Yeah, Yeah, we'll get one next week. Okay, well, he is Parker Fleming. He is at Stats of War. He is a college football analyst and economist, and you can follow him there. My name is Grant McGalliard, spelled like it sounds. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter, at Grant McGalliard. We're the Purple Theory Podcast. We will be in your inboxes um, a lot. And Parker has a ton of stuff that he is excited to write about. So stick tuned till, or stay tuned until then. Uh, subscribe. Purple3.substack.com. Until then, we'll see you next week. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.